solemnly swear I am up to no good. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another week of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Welcome back. I am your host with the most hotter than French toast, coming at you coast to coast, and the most electrifying nerd on the pod waves today, your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. Hope you all are safe and having a great week. I hope you're being smart and considerate of others during this constantly growing cases of COVID-19. I hope you are masking up and staying sanitized, my friends. Welcome back. For listening to my voice for the first time, welcome to the house that Nerdledge built. If you're returning, welcome back, my dearest followers. This week we are continuing down the river of nerdstalgia and nerding in the new millennia with part two of N2K. We're talking about all the big moments of the years 2001 to 2009. I'm talking games, movies, television, celebrities, and so much more. This is a pivotal decade for us nerds and nerdettes, our ever-growing culture. This decade saw the birth of the Potterverse, the MCU, the Dark Knight trilogy, the Lord of the Rings franchise, and so much more. So buckle up, nerds and nerdettes. This is 30 and Nerdy. DJ Mike Howie, take us in. It's time to get nerdy. It's the 30 and Nerdy podcast with your host, Tyler Mack. (laughs) Brought to you by... Advertising Expressions, Encore Theatrical Company, Freddy Cat Productions, and Ashley Lodge Photography. 30 and Nerdy is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and a Badcast Company production. Join the Nerd World Order by following the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join the conversation by using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. Find the show in the Pod Nation at podchaser.com and rate this episode. Got something to say? Email the show at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Cheers to you, nerds. Now get ready to nerd out with your host, the sweet tea of the nerdy south, your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. Hello, 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 nerd nation. Welcome back to 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I am your Duke of Nerds and leader of the ever-growing nerd world order, Tyler Mack. Now, I know you have come from all over to join me on the pod waves, listeners from the East Coast to the West Coast to Australia to England and everywhere in between. I'm so thankful to have you here with me in this moment. I want to talk a little... Real quick about some some updates, some things going on before we get to the episode. For instance, if you've been following us on social media, you've seen some of the new photos from the photo shoot with Ashley Lodge Photography. I am extremely impressed and very happy with how they turned out. I I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, the, the one with showing just how worthy... The Duke of Nerds is to harness the power of Mjolnir. The awesome attitude shots that she got. The shots of me just being me. I I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Ashley and I hope to get together again soon and do some more fun photo shooting. Uh, If you are in the area, not just in the Morristown area, but in the 
the surrounding areas, I highly recommend Ashley Lodge Photography. I cannot talk about her enough. She is completely out of the box and not your average point-and-shoot photographer. She enjoys the entertaining aspect of it. She enjoys new ideas, fresh ideas. So please, reach out to her. I also want to give a big shout-out to a brand-new podcast I've started listening to called The Drunk Guys Book Club. They reached out to me. Um, they've been uh, tuning in some, and I'm very happy to have them on the pod waves with me. Uh, I've taken a listen to some of their episodes, and I thoroughly enjoy it as an avid reader. And I, I highly recommend it to you. I also want to, again, thank my cousin Kyle for the new addition to the new intro. I enjoy it. I think it really grasps just where the Duke of Nerds is taking us. A little more edgy, if you will. And that's okay. Change is good, because if we don't evolve, we die. So, I also want to talk a little bit about Rob Liefeld. Layfield, Liefeld, however you pronounce his name. He is the creator of Deadpool. And if you haven't seen it, he went on a pretty nice rant towards Disney. And it's mainly surrounding their mismanagement of the Deadpool IP since purchasing it. And I am going to play you just a little clip of that uh, rant. There has been no Deadpool entertainment talks that I'm aware of. And as far as the movie, that's above my pay grade, bro. I don't I don't need another Deadpool movie. Don't need it. Got two great ones. They're perfect. Here's what I would say. Hey, Disney. Hi, it's Rob. You paid $70 billion for Fox, okay? You have no way to get all your $3 billion worth of movies into theaters. No Mulan, no Black Widow, no Eternals. Deadpool's kind of popular. Deadpool cartoons, Deadpool video games. Of course they should be making them. Iger, whoever is running the ship over there. What the, what are you doing to get a return on your $70 billion? $70 billion! He seems a little upset, and I completely agree with him. If I spent that kind of money on something, I would be jumping at getting it somewhere in the rotation. And like he said, it doesn't have to be movies, but if you bought the Deadpool IP along with Fox, why are you not utilizing it? Everyone loves the witty mercenary that is Wade Wilson. So why aren't we using him? It's a good question. So, last time we began our road of the new millennium, or nerdlinium, if you will, with the year 2000 and how it changed everything and put us on the path to where we are today. We talked about some of the impactful games and what it was like to be a nerd then, and of course, set a heartfelt happy 20th anniversary to the live-action X-Men franchise. And it was a lot of fun talking the year 2000. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, it was interesting. It was fun. But like I said on last week's episode, it wasn't everything that it is today, being a nerd. We were definitely quieter about who we were then but not anymore i want to take the time now to introduce you to some friends of mine in our pod promo of the week and that would be introducing you to the fantastic podcast that is realms and nerds hey everybody this is rj ash ray brandon harrison and bronson we host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms & Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts.
Now, I am not an avid Dungeons and Dragons uh, game player per se. However, I still listen to their podcast because it teaches me a lot. Um, and whether you're a fan or not, it is definitely a podcast that is entertaining and educational at the exact same time. So I would highly recommend you give Realms and Nerds a listen. Uh, so why don't we talk nerdy a little bit? I have not necessarily created this word, but I have brought it from the ashes, if you will. The word is called Argol Bargol. Hmm. <laughs> That's right, Argol Bargol. Now this is a nerd who is known to drone on and on about something in nerd culture they are very passionate about, to a point where it dominates the conversation. For instance, uh, my family would probably call me an argle-bargle when I go on and on about something nerdy and don't let them talk. Some of my other nerd friends would call me an argle-bargle about Supernatural, possibly. <laughs> I definitely know a few that would <laughs> call me that. So, I, I I challenge you to somehow use that in your vocabulary sometime in the near future. Use that in a conversation and see if someone can catch on or if someone's like, uh, what did you just say? <laughs> what was that word you just used? Well, it's argle bargle. <laughs> it's kind of funny to say. So let's talk about something random here, a little random on random. For instance, did you know that at one point, two chatbots were created by Facebook to talk to each other? They were shut down quickly, though, after they began to communicate with each other in a language that they created for themselves. I mean, can someone say Skynet? Have people not learned anything from movies? You give the AI, you give the technology an opportunity, it will evolve itself. And I'm telling you people, if we don't learn from those movies, we're destined to just become victims to the Terminator. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Now, before we get to our dear friend Barry Nerdington in our nerdly news, let's hear some words from our amazing sponsors. The arts are a vital part of the educational process, which is another key to economic development and improved quality of life. Arts education and opportunities help participants develop skills in critical thinking, goal setting, team building, problem solving, conflict resolution, and craftsmanship. At Encore Theatrical Company, they aren't just dreaming it, they're doing it. Through the global pandemic, many of the arts have suffered due to shutdown of theaters, museums, schools, and other artistic vehicles. However, here at Encore, the show must go on. Follow along as we evolve and entertain during what we call Encore Intermission. We are highlighting patrons, performers, community members, and much more. You may see voice lessons, mini-concerts, Zoom plays, and other artsy escapes for you during this trying time. Follow along daily with new posts from hashtag Encore Intermission. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us, where it's not just theater, it's Encore. Need a commercial? How about a professional video for your upcoming event or production? Let the coolest cats in town take care of you. The professionals of Freddy Cat Productions have the knowledge, ability, and experience to serve all your visual marketing needs. They offer feature films, documentaries, corporate videos, commercials, music videos, and weddings. You can reach Freddy Cat Productions at 423-231-2839 or at freddycatproductions.com. Hello, I'm Barry Nerdington, and this is your Nerdly News, where we report and you decide.
It looks like the gaming network G4 is making some sort of return in 2021, judging by some new teasers shared online this past week. The G4 TV Twitter account has sprung back to life with a brief video highlighting some familiar references from the G4 era, while the Xplay Twitter account has also resurfaced to share the same video. No details about the G4 revival, how it will be handled, have yet been announced. So there's no telling what shows, old or new, we will see. But it does seem like we can expect G4's return to happen sometime in 2021. Blair Herter and Adam Sessler, who are both known for their time with G4 when the network was still around, retweeted the same video with their own comments. Though it's unclear how or if the two are involved with the return. The script for the pilot episode of Showtime's Halo series has reportedly been looked over by an outlet to reveal some key differences in the series version of Master Chief and the world around him compared to what we know from the games. The Illuminerdy reports that it had the chance to view the current script of the pilot episode, and though changes could be made still, their biggest takeaway is that at some point, we do see Master Chief without his helmet on. If Halo fans know anything about the games, it's that we never see Master Chief's face outside of his helmet. There have been moments where he takes his helmet off, but the player never sees the Spartan's face. It should go without saying, these could just be early drafts to keep spoilers at bay and feed false info to bloggers and fans around the world. More details to come soon. For years, DC comic fans have been eagerly waiting to see what Batman the Three Jokers will bring into the canon. The highly anticipated miniseries has been teased for some time now since 2016, after Batman spied three distinct versions of the Joker while sitting in the Mobius chair. The DC underwent yet another continuity reboot with DC Rebirth. The question of what was up with the three Jokers has loomed in many fans' minds ever since. Luckily, fans won't have to wait very long to figure that out. What the series will entail, we do not know. This past week, DC debuted an extended preview of interior art for Batman 3 Jokers number 1, which teases the heart-wrenching events that are in store. Thirty years after Batman the Killing Joke changed comics forever, Batman 3 Jokers re-examines the myth of who or what the Joker is and what is at the heart of his eternal battle with Batman. The series will hail from Jeff Johns, Jason Fabok, and Brad Anderson, and promises to bring a mystery unlike any Batman has ever faced. A new study has once more found that there is no proven link between video games and real violence or aggressive behavior. The study was published in Royal Society Open Science and was conducted by Massey University's Aaron Drummond. The study found that current research is unavailable to support the hypothesis that violent video games have a meaningful long-term predictive impact on youth aggression. Drummond's study analyzed 28 independent samples for his conclusion. For fans of M-rated games such as Mortal Kombat, Doom, and Grand Theft Auto, the study is further evidence that allegations regarding the negative impact of violent video games remain unfounded. The study is far from the first of its kind. Over the years, similar studies have failed to find any significant link between video game violence and real-life violence. Earlier this year, the American Psychological Association released a similar finding. APA, for short, President Sandra Shulman released a statement claiming that these types of allegations against video games also detract attention from proven predicators of violence, such as the past history of violence. What was once looking like a year full of The Walking Dead content has instead been paid with delays and new plans. Now, following the announcement of The Walking Dead Season 10, 
finale, which has been delayed from earlier this year, debuting on October 4th, AMC has revealed The Walking Dead will be getting six additional episodes in its 10th season, which will air early next year. Production on these episodes is expected to take place later this year, spanning the timeline of almost half of a season's work, allowing what would essentially be the back half of a season's production to air at the same time as the back half of a season typically would. The Walking Dead has previously been renewed for an 11th season, but production has not been able to begin on the new episodes, so season 11 will debut in the fall of 2021, with production of the next 16 episodes run taking place during a normal schedule from April through November of next year. Netflix has announced a new prequel series to The Witcher called The Witcher Blood Origin. This new series takes place 1,200 years before Geralt of Rivia and surrounds the first Witcher. Witcher Season 1 writer Declan Debara will be executive producer and showrunner alongside Witcher EP Lauren Schmidt. The writer of the original books, Andrzej Sapkowski, will serve as a creative advisor and is very excited to see the world he created expanding so well. Writer Tom Taylor just hinted at a new project he has in the works at DC, and while the tease is sparse, it appears as though it may be a comic book return for the alternative DC reality based on the Injustice video game franchise. Taylor began setting up a DC announcement late last week, urging his Twitter followers to watch this space over the subsequent few days, which included the DC logo and tagging the publisher's Twitter handle. After another couple of prompts Sunday, including later today, first glimpse, Taylor finally tweeted a capital I along with a quote he attributes to Batman. I think it could have been different. Again, tagging DC. More news to come at 30 and Nerdy Podcast. In other DC news... Comic book writer Scott Snyder has big plans coming up, and they're not just limited to Dark Knight's death metal and his creator-owned work. He's also angling to revive DC's Writing Workshop initiative to help bring new writers into the publisher's comics. My goal, he says, is to also try to get the teaching workshop up and running again, not take oxygen from the main line myself, and allow a generation of writers to come up while I'm going to other things. Snyder told Newsarama, Snyder and DC have not elaborated beyond that, but a revived workshop would be a continuation of a program that brought over 20 new writers into DC. Snyder himself has a long history as a teacher leading classes on writing for New York University, Columbia University, and Sarah Lawrence College, with several of his former students including James Tanyan and Marguerite Bennett going on to work in comics, including DC Comics. That is the end of your nerdly news. I'm Barry Nerdington, signing off. Cheers to you, nerds. Tyler, back to you. Thank you, Barry. That was some killer news. Very excited for some of that stuff. Well, nerds and nerdettes, it is time to finish up our nerding in the new millennium. Now this time, it is part two of N2K, yes, but we have been basically doing kind of a, a run of nerdstalgia. Talking about the shift towards where we are today. Now, the shift did begin in 99, and we talked about that. But the shift kind of moved, and the wave began to build through the decade, and it brought us to where we are currently. Now, some would consider this the crest or the pinnacle of nerd culture. Maybe it is. Maybe the crash comes soon. Maybe it doesn't. We will see. But let's talk about what made this decade the moment it all changed for nerd culture. Now, During the uh, 2001 to 2009 era of nerd culture, we saw the birth of many franchises that changed everything for us. Franchises that are still going, or have at least spun off into other things. 
Here are some of the biggest franchises that came out of the 2000s. Now, there were a lot. And I highly recommend you go... All you have to do is go to your search bar and say... Notable franchises that began in the 2000s. And it's it's pretty cool. But I want to talk about some of the bigger names. Now, in 2001, we got Lord of the Rings began. Finally, we got to see one of the best epics in nerd culture on the big screen. Meeting the live-action versions of The Fellowship made every nerd's dream come true. After the trilogy... We then got another trilogy of the Hobbit prequels. Now, this franchise is one of the biggest things to come out of the 2000s for us, and still one of the biggest fantasy genres of all time. And let me just say, the cast was perfect. I mean, I truly, you know, in the past, we have discussed the original trilogy of Lord of the Rings, and we've talked different things, like what could have been, people who turned down parts, uh, people who had to leave the project, and in turn we got people like uh, Aragorn was not originally Aragorn. <laughs> um, we've talked about that. Those are in previous episodes of 30 and Nerdy Podcast, and you can go back and check those wherever you cast your pod. Um, but this was, this was a huge momentum for us because it brought the legendary... Tolkien novel to life for us and it changed everything and also in 2001 we got to see the Harry Potter saga begin 2001 also gave us this wizarding world that J.K. Rowling created we finally got to see the boy who lived brought to life the cast was perfect in this as well the world was immersive and the nerdiverse wept as we got to see all of our beloved character story unfold I mean, we just, as a family, took my older brother, Christopher. He had never seen him. We just took him through uh, every movie. We would have a Harry Potter night each week. And we had our robes. We got sorted into houses early on. Um, we all had robes. And the nephews had got wands. And we took pictures. And in the final, uh, my sister-in-law, Kelly, really took it above and beyond uh, like in the bathroom mirror, she had the Chamber of Secrets has been open, you know, um, and and she had signs all over the place. She she had it decorated. It was fantastic. And these past uh, weeks that we have been doing that really reminded me of just how freaking amazing the Harry Potter saga is. If you have not watched it in a while, I highly guarantee you need to. However, 2001 brought us... Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and that's great, but it also brought us the franchise that honestly is still going, but in my very humble opinion, it should not be. It's time to stop these movies, and I'm talking about Fast and the Furious. 2001 was when it started. It's now 2020, and the only other place they can go is probably space. And if they start doing that, I weep for that franchise. However, I did enjoy the first two and still miss Paul Walker as an actor. I thoroughly enjoyed Paul Walker as an actor. Um, he was in another favorite movie of mine that a lot of people don't talk about that he was in called Timeline. And it is a fantastic movie. If you have not seen Timeline, you should definitely check it out. 2002, we saw Spider-Man begin. After X-Men dropped in 2000 and before the MCU even began, we got to see Tobey Maguire's franchise of Spider-Man take off. It was so easy to fall in love with, but looking back now, it was so campy. Don't get me wrong, I didn't hate it, but the third installment sucked. We now know Tobey wasn't the best candidate. The graphics were not all they were cracked up to be, and some of the casting directors should be fired from Hollywood, especially for that third movie. However, like I said, I didn't hate it. It was great for its time. Let's move on to 2003. Pirates of the Caribbean. The pirate's life is never spoken ill of. To be honest, not once has anyone thought, hmm, something pirate, yuck. Everyone loves pirates. Maybe it's the flag, 
Maybe it's the sea, the swords, or maybe it's the rum. But in 2003, if you weren't a fan of the genre yet, by golly, you were about to be. Johnny Depp hit the screen as Captain Jack Sparrow, and we still haven't seen the end of him. Or the franchise. This may have been... This... Honestly, it may have just been started out based on a Disney ride that everyone has ridden. Nostalgic as all get out. But this could quite possibly be my favorite thing that the Mouseopoly has ever released. I love the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and I am a huge fan of pirates. My Little League team was pirates. I've been a pirate multiple times for Halloween. Uh, I highly celebrate Talk Like a Pirate Day, which is coming up very soon in September. And I'm actually going to do an episode around it, so it's going to be a lot of fun. In 2005... We got Batman Begins. Christopher Nolan's Batman series put DC back on the map after the last Bat failure that was Batman and Robin in 1997. It gave us Heath Ledger's Joker, Michael Caine's Alfred, Gary Oldman's Detective Jim Gordon, and so many memorable performances as well as live-action Batman characters, some of them we had not seen on the big screen yet. Um, I have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, I'm not going to go into this who's the best Batman because that is, as a Batholic, it is very hard to judge who the best Batman is because you also have to take it as who's the best Bruce Wayne. Um, maybe in the future I will digest the different Batman and who I think is the best and the worst. Maybe. Please let me know. Give Send me your rankings of best and worst Batman. I will happily bring him on to an episode and we will talk about it. Finally, in 2008, we've got the MCU. I am Iron Man. With those three words, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was born. This one is still going strong today and just saw the end of its Infinity Saga with Avengers Endgame. Where this franchise goes next, we have no idea, but everyone is still patiently waiting for this pandemic to end so we can see Black Widow finally. (laughs) Um, This franchise might possibly be the biggest things to come out of the 2000s. I would say arguably one of the biggest things in nerd culture to come out of the past 20 years. So these were just a few of the many big name franchises to come out of the decade. There's so many more that made impact like Shrek and Cars, 300, Transformers, Saw, Twilight, Thor Almighty. It was the decade of the franchise. <laughs> however, however, I do want to move on. I, c- I could spend countless hours talking about franchises in the 2000s. Let's talk television. Uh, the big screen in this decade was definitely monumental, but let's talk about television shows for this particular decade. I want to talk about some of the impactful shows, no matter if it's cartoon, live action, nerdy, or not. Just the impact that certain shows had on everyone, and everyone was watching, and now everyone is binging and re-binging and re-re-binging and re-re-re-binging. However, let's, let's talk about these. In 2001 to 2003, we got the European version of The Office. Now, the British version of The Office, it's hard to picture what TV would be like without The Office in general. But uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant's version of the show paved the way for the American version that everyone still re-binges countlessly, yours truly included. <laughs> If you've gone back and watched this show, which I highly recommend, it's easy to see where America kind of lost its interest in it. Um, After all, we have a short attention span for some types of humor, and sometimes it did get a little tough to understand when they would get going in quick conversations, especially Gervais. Um, I enjoyed it, though. Uh, Without it, we would not see the characters of Jim and Pam and Michael Scott on our TVs, so... It definitely is worth mentioning. And that brings us to to our version, if you will, of The Office from 2005, and it ended in 2013. The U.S. version is perhaps one of the most binged shows during its time on streaming devices. It's still binged more than most newer shows on Netflix. 
the big news that recently came out is that in 2021 it is being pulled from Netflix and will most likely move exclusively exclusively uh, to the ABC stream app. Um, now this could be a ploy, maybe, to bring more people to either stream. Uh, some people believe it is because a reunion is being planned or a new DVD set is being released. And that would be a very brilliant supply and demand type move. I honestly would probably do that if I were if I were in charge. I would probably say, hey, it's still one of the most binge shows. Let's re-release a new DVD set, a box set with every bit of the content we have, whether it's deleted scenes, bloopers, uh, every episode, unaired stuff, whatever it may be. Let's release this massive box set for a ridiculous amount of money. But before we do that, let's pull it from Netflix so people will have to buy it. I think it's brilliant if that's what they're doing. Now, this next one started in 2001 and it ended in 2010. It's 24. Now, Jack Bauer was a household name across America as he raced against the clock, thwarting terrorist plots. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland has always been a favorite actor of mine, especially his uh, role in A Time to Kill. You just hate him, but he's good at it. Um, he de- definitely delivers in this fast-moving, action-packed series. Um I did not watch every episode, but when I tuned in, I was always entertained and always at the edge of my seat, so they got the job done. So I'm going to go ahead and move on. Uh, 2006 began, uh, it, this show began in 2006 and ended in 2013. Let me just paint the picture. A mild-mannered husband and father who doubles as a serial killer. What's not to love? Dexter. Everyone loved Dexter. Now my dear friend Logan, a.k.a. the ref himself, loved this show. Except the finale. Of course, he still talks about how trash that finale was. (laughs) Um, My favorite story arc, The Trinity Killer, was an amazing story arc and the biggest jaw-dropping end to a story arc in most television history. I mean, it just... Just jaw drop silence when this kind of culminated. So, uh, yeah, I definitely recommend Dexter if you can find it. Uh, I hope, and I know that Logan also hopes that they give it a second chance, and even if it's just one season, fix the mistake that that terrible finale did. Uh, let's move on. 2004 to 2010, we got the show Lost. Now, we are currently binging this to show my dad and sister. Um, during quarantine, uh, this was a fantastic and deep show. Uh, you show up for the plot of Survivors Lost on an Island, but you stay for the deep and intense mind-blowing storylines. This was created by the same people who created Once Upon a Time, so naturally it is a bit trippy and back and forth with timelines, and they can get a little confusing to the average viewer. Now, we are at the finale of season two, and there are a lot of things I'd forgotten from my first watch through of Lost when it was actually still on television. But what I also have noticed is um, where we're at now and knowing how things end, there's there's some plot holes in Lost that, that never get answered. And um, I don't know if that was purposeful. If it was, um, I wouldn't necessarily agree with running a television show like that. But if it wasn't, whoo, buddy. Uh... They need to revisit some of these. Um, I could go into detail about a lot of other titles like Firefly, How I Met Your Mother, True Blood, CSI, House, Breaking Bad. The list is massive. Some could say that this was the decade of TV ratings. The shows were huge. These titles are so big that the following is still pretty big. I mean, The Office and How I Met Your Mother were two of the biggest names on television and are still binged and have people clamoring for reunions and reboots all over the place. But we know how I feel about reboots. Don't touch it. Now, I'd be interested to know, what what were your shows during the 2000s? Email me. Let me know. I want to talk about it. 
No, but some of you are, some of you nerds and nerdettes listening are sitting there listening and thinking, wait, 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 what about, what about, what about, what about, what about, well, we'll slow your hater tots there, nerdy Lou Who. I would never forget about the show that changed everything for us. The show that normalized nerd culture. Probably the singular IP that normalized our culture more than any DC, Marvel, or any other IP can. I, of course, am talking about the Big Bang Theory. That's right. In 2007, a show hit the TV waves that would have the whole world saying things like Bazinga and Penny, Penny, Penny. This show opened so many eyes to not just our culture, but the nerdiverse as a whole. Whether it be science, comic books, gaming, no matter what it was, this show made it not just cool to be a nerd, but normal. The nerd got the girl. The nerd got their dreams. The nerd had their friends. They succeeded. It showed us that without nerds, this world does not keep spinning, my friends. Thanks to this show, people were buying Green Lantern t-shirts and learning things like who Adam West was. They're laughing, sure, but in that humor comes this subconscious lesson of nerd culture. It was intelligent comedy at that. So sure, your average consumer was laughing, but some jokes were just for us. So of course I'm going to talk about this show. Did you truly think that I would forget it? Fun fact. My dad has seen almost every episode, and I i have not seen every episode. I have seen a lot more now than I had previously. Weird, I know, but it's his favorite show on television, and he's normally a sports center guy. So cheers to you, Big Bang Theory, for changing the world for all of us. Mm. Let's talk about gaming. The two generations of consoles dominated the 2000s with six generation consoles like Xbox and PS2 in the early years and about halfway through the decade that we saw the birth of the seventh generation consoles like Xbox 360, the Wii, the PS3 came along. Now the two big stories that came out of the early 2000s though, Sega was leaving the market war after two failed game systems and Microsoft was entering it. Sega stated that poor performance of the Sega Dreamcast and Sega Saturn lines contributed to their decision to leave. The company returned to third-party publishing for the remaining consoles. Microsoft officially debuted their Xbox console at the Game Developers Conference in 2000 after much speculation. After the release of the Xbox and the PlayStation 2, a noticeable trend was to push video game consoles into media centers and offer more features than just playing video games. Now, Nintendo was kind of slow to react to this and released the GameCube in 2001 without many of the exotic features seen in other consoles. Instead, Nintendo was focusing on improving the gameplay experience as well as preparing its new innovative controller to be released in 2006. Backward compatibility also became a staple feature to gaming in this decade. The PlayStation 2 was the first major system to allow for backward compatibility to a preceding console so you could play PlayStation 1 games on the PlayStation 2, uh, and that became a massive sell point for the PlayStation. You know, copyright infringement also became kind of a big concern to game developers, and many companies tried experimenting with ways to combat the growing problem, especially among PC games. Some companies required registration through the use of a product key. In one of the more notable events of the decade, Valve was hit particularly hard by a hacker and subsequently had much of their work on Half-Life 2 leaked onto the internet. Sony and Microsoft released their PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 consoles in the mid-decade. As the decade progressed, more and more features were added to these consoles. Internet connectivity became ubiquitous, and some games integrated the use of webcam accessories. In the mid-decade, the industry was caught in the crossfire of the HD, DVD, and Blu-ray format war. Ultimately, the Blu-ray have already made HD, DVD compatibility a feature. Nintendo 
however, had still yet to release a system compatible for viewing films. And viewing films and getting to play your DVDs on your game console actually was a massive selling point. So Nintendo really fell behind. Now instead, though, Nintendo unveiled the Wii and revolutionized the industry with the interactive gameplay and its brand new controller. It would not be until the next decade that Sony or Microsoft would release a similar motion controller to the Wii as an accessory. PC video games. Not going to leave you out. Uh, The PC video games remained popular throughout the decade, but was in an overall decline as consoles became more and more popular. Now, publishers also liked the standardization that consoles provided, whereas PC games' performance was dependent on the graphic capabilities of a player's hardware. Nevertheless, though, the uh, PC remained the device of choice for many popular strategy simulation and online games. Blizzard came out of this, was a company in the spotlight on numerous occasions throughout the 2000s, and loyal to the PC player. Now, in 2000, it released the hack-and-slash game Diablo 2, which I did discuss last week, which it was uh, frequently listed as one of the best games ever created. The games continued to have a wide following many years after its release and was listed on NPD Group's top 10 PC game sales list as recently as 2010. Then, in 2004, Blizzard wowed (laughs) gamers with the release of World of Warcraft, which was the world's most subscribed MMORPG at the time, with over 10 million subscribers beginning. Now, I was not a WoW player. I did play the the actual disc versions of the game, uh, Reign of Chaos and Frozen Throne. I did enjoy them, but watching my dear friends get sucked into this world of Warcraft uh, world was, was scary. It was scary to see so many people get sucked into it and just obsessive with it. Now, I have got my obsessions, nerds and nerdettes. I did then. I still do obsessions with our nerd culture. Now, I was obsessed with video games, but they were of the console variety because I just was not a big PC gamer. Speaking of another PC game, The Sims, a spinoff project of the popular SimCity franchise, also became a popular game of that era. Combining all of its sequels and expansions, The Sims easily becomes one of the best-selling PC games in history. The Sims has also had an important role in bringing female and casual gamers into the often male-dominated and hardcore gamer market. Now, as video games approached greater realism in their graphic capabilities, it was... It was inevitable that controversy would result. Uh, The evidence was inconclusive, but debates continued throughout the decade about the level of profanity, violence, and whether or not video games had an addictive effect. One game series in particular that was no stranger to this controversy and we all know was blamed for violence was Grand Theft Auto. Now, in the 2004 San Andreas installment of that series, the game received widespread criticism revolving around the Hot Coffee mod, a normally disabled minigame that could be enabled. Now, a little bit about this. Uh, The pressure forced the uh, ESRB to re-rate the game as an AO, adults only, and to have it pulled from store shelves. The game was also criticized for being excessively violent. Another game that struck a nerve with many analysts, and and before I go on, I I know that there was also something else driving a lot of people's uh, diverse feelings towards San Andreas. Now, why is it, and I just want you to do this, just think about this a little bit internally. This is a hypothetical question. Why do you think that San Andreas was attacked more than Vice City and GTA 3. Just think on that.
especially with the temperature that things are in today, why do you think America would attack San Andreas more than it would Vice City and GTA 3? Let that simmer a little bit. Now, another game that struck a nerve with many analysts and the general public was a game released in 2005 entitled Super Columbine Massacre RPG in which a player actually carries out the events of the 1999 Columbine High School shooting. Um, now, I have mixed feelings about this. I do believe that video games do not cause violence. I believe that is down to preconditioning ex- uh, problems, parenting, uh, and lack of uh, social help for said people. However, this game kind of struck a nerve because I was, I was in fourth or fifth grade when the Columbine shootings happened, and the fact that this game existed kind of struck a nerve with me. Now, the creator, though, Danny Ladone, was both praised for the bold statement on free speech and criticized for being distasteful. It became the first finalist to ever be rejected at the 2007 Slam Dance Film Festival's Guerrilla Games competition. In protest of the rejection, many of the finalists withdrew from the competition, and in the end, no rewards were handed out that year, and the competition has not been held since 2007. Mm. But like I said, I... um. I am a firm believer in free speech, and I am a firm believer in games do not cause violence, but I do think there is such a thing as couth, and that game crossed the line. Moving on. Now, as video games diversified and became an ever-present part of pop culture, its influence began integrating with other media. Now, the film industry in particular took notice and capitalized on how they would integrate video games into their storytelling. The Wachowskis, known for their Matrix series of films, developed Enter the Matrix to tie together the events of The Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions, Motion Pictures. Now, we did talk about that during the month of May. Making films from video games is nothing new to Hollywood, but the transition from video game to film does not always succeed. The 2000s, however, began to show promise in the profitability and success of making video games based on films. Hmm. And they also saw a lot of success on creating film franchises based on video games. Opening in 2001, uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, became the highest grossing video game adaptation with over a U.S. million box office performance. Tomb Raider held that title for nearly a decade. Other adaptations in the 2000s included the popular Resident Evil saga, Silent Hill, Max Payne, Hitman, uh, Doom, which was a bomb, (laughs) and House of the Dead. Um, We all know the running jokes about Doom, The Rock's failed video game to movie, uh, Blockbuster, if you will. Um, it was it was bad. It really was bad. Now, the 2000s was also the first decade that the medium has significantly affected classical music. Um, Tommy uh, Tallarico and Jack Wall had a vision that a concert would be a way to show how culturally significant video games and video game music is in the world today. Now, the first video game live concert was held at the Hollywood Bowl uh, on July 6, 2005, to an audience of 11,000 people. Many of the events features a live orchestra, synchronized lighting effects, and gameplay projected onto the screen. I, for one, can attest to this. I have the albums of all the Kingdom Hearts games, and that music is fantastic. I will just listen to it just for the sake of it. So, I can attest to that. Um, I did want to take the time to talk about some of the, pardon the pun, 
game-changing titles to come out of that particular decade. Let me tell you, there is a massive list of game franchises that began in this decade, and I am not going to talk about them all, because this list is ridiculous. Um, Assassin's Creed, the Arkham games, Bioshock, Borderlands, Call of Duty, um, Fable, Halo, Guitar Hero, I mean, Left 4 Dead, which me and the Rev cranked up constantly. The Red Dead franchise began. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront in 2004. Mm. Tom Clancy had his series of games like Ghost Recon and Splinter Cell. Um, The Witcher began in 2007 as a video game series. So, like I said, the list is... It's huge. Give it a look-see. All I did was type in notable game franchises that began in the 2000s. It really is a remarkable list, and most of these franchises are still going very successfully today. One fun fact I did learn is that Animal Crossing actually began in 2001 and has now seen the biggest resurgence probably ever that any video game has ever seen. Um, I've yet to play it. Heck, I haven't owned a Nintendo system since the 64, and I still have it. Uh, maybe aside from a Game Boy, um, that's also a crazy shift that we saw in the 2000s. At one point, Nintendo was king. Now, hmm, I don't know. Who would you say is king? That is a debate that will go for eternity. Microsoft or Sony? PS3. Or Xbox One, PS4, or Xbox One, Xbox Series X, whatever's coming out, or the PS5. Which one is going to take the crown this time around? Ultimately, what it comes down to is the exclusives. A Sony fan would say, due to the exclusive games... PlayStation is better. Microsoft fans would say due to the exclusive games, Xbox is better. It's really just, it's a perspective thing. I mean, I don't like to get in a fight over which one is better. I've owned them both at the same time. I enjoy them both. Now, I mean, Last of Us does elevate PlayStation quite a bit, but also Halo elevates Microsoft quite a bit, so... I mean, it's really, I guess, your preference. But, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about video games a lot. I've got another episode coming up soon about video games. I don't want to, you know, continue on too much about video games. I, have, I feel like I've given you a, a, quite a bit of history of video gaming in the 2000s. More in detail than I did about movie and TV. Um, but I just wanted to vi- show you visually the shift of gaming in the year 2000s. Um, I mean, there are many many of the causes to the effect of the revolution that is nerd culture going on today. Um, I mean, take a look at your TV guide or movie marquee. The titles you see dominating the ratings now are no longer Saved by the Bell, 90210, or Full House. They're titles like Supernatural, Game of Thrones, The Flash, Big Bang Theory, Avengers, Arrow, Batman... Those are the titles dominating the ratings now. Years ago, maybe some nerdling in the 80s or 90s while being stuck in a locker, maybe they thought there will be a revolution in this century. He wasn't off by much. Now, well, there was a time where Guardians of the Galaxy was known only by the higher level nerds in the Order. Now, Star-Lord and Groot are household names. So what caused it? What caused nerd to dominate all genres of pop culture? No one can put their finger on one particular moment, but to me, this is where it started. This decade is where the balance shifts. The 2000s brought us here. The 2000s began what would soon be known as the nerdiest time to be alive. And we will get to that some more down the road. Don't worry, kiddies. We will talk about the current revolution happening in nerds culture. 
See, we just talked about when it began. We've merely scratched the surface. When the wave began to build and gain strength. But no worries. We will discuss how the nerd world order has taken over soon. From us here at Advertising Expressions, we want you to know that we hope that you and yours have been well amid this pandemic. We have been blessed to have survived ourselves and realize that here in Morstown, it can be hard to keep things rolling in times like these. Therefore, whether you are a business that has closed and are looking to reopen, a business that has crawled through the time fighting for the next breath, or maybe you are a business that has done better in this time, we want to help you. See, our business is to promote yours, and we strive to do that by getting your name in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, we are giving you 19% off new quotes that result in orders of $190 or more. Use the promo code NERDRONA19, that's N-E-R-D-R-O-N-A and the number 19. You can find us at 2103 Morningside Drive in Morristown, Tennessee or contact us at 423-586-3270. Meanwhile, back at 30 and nerdy. Welcome back. This has been a fun time with you, Nerd Nation. I have thoroughly enjoyed our nerdstalgia. I thoroughly enjoyed talking from the year 99 through the year 2000, all the way up to 2009. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking about what it was like to be a nerd, what we had going on, and how that got us to where we are today. Now next week starts a new month, and as we nerds know, after you're listening to this, which should be... The same day, if not, actually, no. Tomorrow, from listening to this, Netflix will be releasing Umbrella Academy 2. I am so excited for Umbrella Academy 2. Now, that's season 2. Um, I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to binge it over the next few days. And then next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about Season 2 of Umbrella Academy. Now, I'm not going to go into detail with every single episode. I will talk very heavily about the first episode where it starts us off, but I don't want to go into detail on every single episode. Okay, so next week, if you have not binged it, by the time next week's episode drops, this is your warning now, that episode will be chocked full of Umbrella Academy Season 2 spoilers. But send in your questions, send in your thoughts, especially if you're watching it. I would love to hear from you all, especially if you've watched it before me. I can't tell you when I will get to it this coming weekend or early next week before I record, but I will get to it. And that's what all of next week's episode is going to be about. Because next week not just starts Umbrella Season 2, it starts a whole new month. We are into August next month. And... The heat is just incredible outside, um, so we're. I'm, I'm going to give you a little uh, listen on what's to come in August. Now we're going to be talking about Umbrella Academy Season 2, obviously. Then I'm going to be talking about the history of the Mario Brothers, um, talking about the history of video games, and the supervillains of DC Comics to round out the month of August. So that's what's to come next month. Thank you for sitting in here and listening to me this month, the previous month, and all the months before this. If you are listening for the first time, again, thank you for joining us. Come back next week. We're going to have a great discussion about Umbrella Academy Season 2. Send in your thoughts, your questions about this episode, or anything in the Nerdiverse you want to talk about. 
I also want to take the time to thank all of our Patreon supporters. We have gotten some new ones over the previous weeks, taking advantage of that $1 COVID deal we've got going on. Now, soon I will be starting a Patreon-exclusive Titans Tuesday breakdown, and every Tuesday I'll be talking about an episode of DC's Titans series, Season 1 and Season 2. So, please... Take advantage of that $1 COVID deal so you can tune in with us on Patreon. Also, you will get special gifts, sneak peeks on what's to come before the general audience. And like I said, behind-the-scenes footage, special episodes, all that fun stuff. Also, I want to thank you. We got another new rating this week on Podchaser.com. Thank you for the five stars and the kind words. I want to invite you. While you're at podchaser.com rating this episode to check out our friends and the Pod Nation. All you have to do is go to the site, podchaser.com, search for the list, Pod Nation. There are some amazing podcasts in the Pod Nation. They're all amazing. Take a time. Listen to some of them. Heck, pick one a day. Tune into it. If you like what you've heard, hit the subscribe on them. Give them the five stars they deserve and tell them 30 and nerdy sent you. Um, that's about it for me this week, nerds and nerdettes. That is it. Um, if you want to give me a shout out, you know where to find me, 30nerdypod at gmail.com. That's 30nerdypod at gmail.com. If you want to ask some questions, shoot some thoughts over, especially after this episode. Thank you for tuning in. I have been your Duke of Nerds. You all have been beautiful. Stay sanitized. Stay healthy. DJ Mike Howie, take us home, baby. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast with your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. Brought to you by Ashley Lodge Photography, Freddy Cat Productions, Encore Theatrical Company, and Advertising Expressions. 30 and Nerdy is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and a Badcast Company production. Join the Nerd World Order by following the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow along with the conversation using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. Find us in the Pod Nation at PodChaser.com and rate this episode. Got something to say? Email us at 30andNerdyPod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, cheers to you, nerds. That's all, folks.